Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene or day by day, until the end of time. 100%. And James, we've got a fascinating little uh, day for you here. Uh, Let me just give you these numbers straight up. Once again, we're doing a situation where... You're going to finish out one episode and then start another one. Yeah. So this is Agent Carter, season one, episode two, starting at 37 minutes and 31 seconds. You're going to go through the end of that episode. Again, when you see the credits, you'll know it's the end. Then cut over to uh, episode 103, start at 116, which is after all the previously on and all that other stuff. And you're going to end at, (laughs) nice, blaze it, 420. Yeah, it's that reefer number because it's the 40s. Yeah, hell yeah. I can't believe uh, it's taken this long for us to get to a 420 in yeah. the MCU. <laughs> yeah. That's... As you can tell, I'm I'm clearly a toker. I get it. Exactly. Hey, what's up, fellow weed heads? <laughs> Enjoy this episode. Okay, uh, let's get into it. Let me be blunt. Um... <laughs> Listen, you're going you're gonna to love this joint that we got here for you, okay? Yes. Um Anything else? Listen, bud. No, I like it. Very yeah, good. Let's get to that this episode. Yeah. All right. That was that was my one. Hot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we'd love if you listen to this episode, folks. That's so, that's very good. That's, that's very, very good. good. Um, maybe I'll put that in the copy or something. Who knows? Uh, and everyone will go. What the hell does that have to do with this? Uh, and be like, what? Tune in. They mostly see. talked about drugs, and there wasn't any. <laughs> wasn't any. It's really weird. <laughs> All right. So this is what happens in this day, which is actually, you know what? I'm going to start doing this because you did this in yeah. a recording we just did. I'm going to start looking up the day that we're actually talking about. In 1946. This is Colin. Colin, episode. Look at episode. Shit. 10. <laughs> I cannot believe this. We are one day away from this being perfect. But it starts at four yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. This is sick. Okay, this is great. Okay, uh, we're recording, by the way, on uh, October 21st, 2022. Yeah, Taylor Swift's and new album just came out eight minutes ago. and That's uh, definitely what it is. That's and what I, everyone's going to remember. That's, yeah, and you know, i got to be honest with you. This is going to be probably a hot take. Very controversial with probably a lot of people who listen to this show. I would rather be here. Uh, so, uh This is... I'm about 50-50. Okay, great. This is April 19th, 1946. And now that I've spoken for, let's see, how long have I been recording? For three minutes and 20 seconds, let's actually get to the episode. This is what happens. The next morning, Angie is walking around the new apartment complex with Peggy. Angie says hello to each passersby and tells Carter who they are. The ones that we see are Mary, a legal secretary at Goodman, Kurtzberg, and Holloway. Remember that for later. Evelyn, a lounge singer at a club in Midtown, and Sarah. She's a slut. Peggy says she's nervous as she's never applied for a flat that required an interview. Angie says it'll be fine. Peggy is then grilled ruthlessly by Miriam. Miriam is a textbook definition of tight ass. Uh, I shouldn't say it like that. That sounds actually like I'm flirting or like, like she has saying a tight, yeah, like a nice, yeah, like, like, like a nice, nice. no, of, of tight ass, like right, ooh, yikes. Yeah. Like that clip from West Wing that everybody loves so much where he's like, now I recognize you might, you know, mistake this for your monthly uh, gathering of the tight ass club. Um, Great clip. Love West Wing. Anyway, she tells Peggy that the Griffith Hotel is a haven for young, nope, it's a haven for proper young ladies. 
and she gives her the rest of the rundown as she is clearly elected to give residence to Miss Carter. Uh, I will say normally I don't like to interject little things. One thing that I didn't write down, but I'm thinking about now, is there's a great little exchange of lines where Carter knows how to game the system a little bit. She, you know, one of the questions that you know she's kind of grilling her with is, "And how long do you plan to be employed at you know the Bell Company, you know, the, the telephone company?" Uh, and she goes, "Oh, only until I'm married." Yeah. And she's like, mm. and she kind of gives her a look of like, yes, very good answer. Yes, a proper lady, right? <laughs> and, you know, Angie and, you know, and uh, Carter exchange looks of like, <laughs> got her, right? Anyway, yeah. so back at the SSR HQ, Dooley, Thompson, Krasminski, and Sousa are standing at Sousa's desk looking over photos. Dooley points at a picture and tells Dooley not to let up. Nope, not Dooley, sorry, and tells Sousa not to let up on that angle. This, of course, has Peggy very nervous as she's entering. She's like, what angle? Mm, Act natural. And he calls Carter over, but only to settle a bet on whether or not someone in the picture is Joe DiMaggio or not. 1940s baseball reference. Yeah, absolutely. I was... was, And you can see where she clearly is like, because it's not the answer or the thing that she's looking for. But she plays it very well, and she says, I don't follow boxing. And they're all like, oh, yeah. And they're all laughing about it, and they walk off. Thompson then pays Sousa. She says, you bet against me. How could you be so sure? And he says, I wasn't. That's why they call it gambling. Really Just like that. Back. Yeah, it is. Which is something I think we didn't talk about. I um, don't think so. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a good callback, but it's also a good line. Yeah, it's good. for sure. Um, he then mm-hmm. shows her other photos and points out that they have pictures of the blonde, but never once get her face. Um, and I'm going to kind of glance over some details on that, but they're, they don't show the face or anything like that, but there's, there's things to, to, to follow. There's, there's avenues to follow there. For sure. She Just says, connect the dots. Mm, very good, James. Thank you. She says, tough break. And he says, I'll find her. Meanwhile, in the basement, Krasminski finds a clue in the wreckage a license plate for the vehicle that Jarvis drove the night before. Later that evening, Peggy is researching the symbol that Leap Brannis drew in the dirt while Krasminski and Dooley stop by his motel room to find out more on their perp. They interrogate the owner, but he doesn't have much info. This is not plot relevant, but it's very funny, so I kept this in. They pass a sex worker in the hall. Dooley, you know, kind of judgmentally says, looks like business is good. The worker turns on her way out and says, hey, Ray, how you doing? And then walks out. Krasminski is flustered. Dooley slowly turns over his shoulder and gives him a look. <laughs> Upon entering the room that Brannis had there, they search thoroughly, finding his hidden items in the furniture, like passports and money, and they find his typewriter, which Dooley is truly intrigued by. Mm-hmm. So that's everything that happens on April 19th, 1946. Uh, James, I'm- you look like you've got something that you want to say. I, I do I want to say um I think that there are um a couple of good um a bunch of like Hollywood references um there's some uh and stop me if you have this um the aliases listed on the passports do you oh no you know I I actually wrote wrote down stuff and I forgot yeah. to look up look them up 
So it's uh, the UK passport was Alfred Lean, uh, referencing uh, uh, English directors Alfred Hitchcock and David Lean. Orson Hawks, which is, of course, US, his U.S. passport for Orson Welles and Howard Hawks. Mm-hmm. Federico Rossellini, which is Federico Fellini and Roberto Rossellini. Uh, and then that's why Dooley says, got a film buff on our hands. Um, right. And the cool. funny thing is that like that was why I had written some stuff down. And I guess I got distracted by some other things and forgot to research those. Yeah. Because I went, that's a weird line. That must mean that those are references. Um, But what's also funny is that I had written down the Frederico one because I was like, oh, he's (laughs) Freddy, you know. Yeah. Um, So that was kind of a fun little, like, 1940s Who's Freddy reference. Exactly. Uh, Always coming back to him. When she's looking in her book of symbols, um, the first page of section of section three are shadow hunter runes from Cassandra Clare's The Mortal Instruments. So it's like a mm. shout, like a sci-fi symbology shout out, which is kind of right. Cool. Now, yeah. I I did kind of glance over something. I will tell you, very funny scene though there, where because you know it's not really relevant to the plot, but when she's looking over those things, you know, we do get like a fun little like red herring moment where you know you see someone looking outside of the building yeah, and then you see her, you know, kind of walking around and then she sits down with the book and she's looking at stuff. And then uh, you see that same shadowy figure like moving towards the building and like climbing up the gutter and you're like, Oh, she's been found. And then she ends up opening the window, putting a gun to the face of a guy. And it's not at all our perps that we've seen before. It's just a guy trying to break in to, you know, have some sexy times with his girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, thank you. There you go. Uh, to get a hickey from Kanicki next door kind of thing. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, it's great because she grills yeah. him and he's like, uh, and uh, he's like, she's like, you know, men aren't allowed past the first floor. He's like, yeah, that's kind of why I'm here. You know? And then he's like, do you know where Molly? And she's like, one over. Right. And he's <laughs> like, gotcha. You know, this is really difficult. It would be great. Could I just, and he like tries to ask if he can just come in to like get to her room. Yeah. And she shuts the window on him. And he's like, have a nice night. <laughs> and it's really funny. So, he's, he's, a, he's a polite young man. He is. It's just, it's really funny. Her window is like a hint. It's like a door. It's like the yeah. fanciest window I think I've ever maybe seen. It's a really cool, like, you don't have, it's not like a slide up. It's like I a think that there were a open. lot of windows like that before. Yeah. And I think that we got rid of those because they were uh, hazards. Right. Because of breaking in or because of a fire. Or both. I th- I no. I think it's a uh, breaking in, but also I think it's because it's easier for people to jump. Oh, I think it is a health situation. Interesting. Um, um I uh oh, hold on. Oh, what I like about that scene is that it's. Do it's it's functioning to do two things for the future of the like the, for the it serves a function yes, for two different establishments like that part of television writing I find is like sorcery because it's like we have this innocent little like it sets a tone of like oh no it's not an assassin it's just this guy but it but affects also, at least two different points of plot. <laughs> for sure, yes, absolutely. Which is one of those things where I was like, it's not really super relevant. It's yeah. like the next time it kind of comes up, it's going to be relevant. But like it didn't right. feel relevant to like my summary necessarily. But like yeah. 
it was something that I wanted to break down or talk about rather exactly. instead of like exactly. doing like a quick pace version of it. Jimmy um, visits Molly who lives next door. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Also, the outside of the building being accessible yes. to other rooms is also it's important for future yeah. knowledge. Ugh. Basically to know about the ledge and stuff like that, yeah. like how much space is out there is relevant uh, to know. Establishing that is just so like I'm it's bad at good that. Writing. That's it's yeah. Good writing. <laughs> um and that's why again it's one of those things where I want to talk about it in depth versus putting it as a quick we're glancing yeah, past this. For sure. Um for sure. okay, so here's the other thing. Uh, I have I have two notes. Okay. Uh, let's get to the one that's a little bit more like conversational and then the other one okay. that's like a Marvel related thing. Oh, perfect. Um so the first one is she says uh, they, they say hi to Sarah, and then she goes, that's Sarah. She's a slut, which is a right. fascinating line because right. it feels weird for Angie to slut shame. Right. But I also think of there are times where there are in popular forms of media and also people that I know who have had friends that they have affectionately called each other that. Right. And it is one of those situations where I go, is this like a joke between all of them? Because like, but the problem is like, you know, she waits until Sarah's gone to say it. So it makes me think that she's shaming her. It's a weird, it's a very weird moment where Angie, who's always been pretty accepting of the folks that she kind of comes across. Right. And then suddenly she's like, look at this whore over here. You're like, whoa, Angie. So we've seen her one more, one other time be kind of like, whoa, okay. There's like a a mean girl side to Angie where she was like, this lady was always crying on the phone. And she's like, oh no. And she's like, yeah, it was every night. It was ridiculous. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. But I the other thing is, I think it's a very interesting right, line to walk. That. Um of it's a it's a rule of three joke. It's literally just a we've passed three people. That's true. That's very but, true. Two people are I'm, like are like important essentially, right. or like you know big names, and then she goes, right. and then this person. Actually, the right. only thing that I can really think of for her, she just yeah. has a lot of sex. It's it's, and of course, back in the forties, it could be that she just wears you know high high mm. skirts. Oh, like it's a uh, perception thing. Yeah, but um, I think it's an interesting choice to make. That I'm not sure that that joke uh, serves her character very well. I don't think it does either. Because I think that I can see, it feels like I can see the writer's room for that joke. Like, you want to introduce characters, you want to establish that she knows everyone. But it's it's a very, like, bop, but up, but up punchline. Like, here's, here's two thoughts on that. Yes. I think what could have been interesting is if that had been Molly. Mm-hmm. Because it could have served part of the later scene of a guy is coming by, right? Which, you know, could have explained certain, like, it could have been, like, kind of, like, setting it up, right? You know what I mean? Like, then at that point, okay, maybe you're not being such a horrible person. But also think of this. We talked about, there is another, actually, now I think about it, kind of moment of, like, kind of pettiness from her Mm -hmm. when she talks about an actress that beat her out for another position. For the Betty Carver, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Sarah is also an actress, mm. and Sarah has 
maybe done questionable things or whatever, or maybe there's an assumption that she's done things right. to get roles. I mean, again, I'm not saying that necessarily makes it funny. No, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm just saying like, I wonder if there is like, because again, like it is like, it's not funny really that, that moment, but like it is, how do I say this? It is funny only from the fact that it kind of subverts your expectation. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah, I think but like, there's the actual line is not funny. Right. If, if, you know, if you're telling someone, like if you or I were like, oh my God, Colin's mom, this funny line from Agent Carter, here it right. is. It'd be like, that doesn't sound funny, but it's the delivery. It's the it fact is, that they're all right. women. Like it, there's a bunch of stuff. I think that there's also an element of uh, Angie cuts people off. Like when someone wrongs her, you're dead to her. And I think we still think that's a good oh. establishment. Yeah, I think also there's a um, conspiratorial increase your intimacy with Peggy by being like, "Hey, I'm gonna let you in on a secret." That girl right. gets around, and then three. I think we are early enough in the series that we want to give a little bit of is Angie trustworthy? Like we like. Uh, we, we yeah. we're gonna move in next to her, but we haven't yet, so we don't actually know what she's like at home. We only know what she's like at the automat, right? I mean, presumably they've got it for drinks or whatever. But like, you're gonna live next to her. Are you seeing a darker side of her? If she talks bad about that person, is she gonna talk bad about you? I mean, the answer to all of these is no. She's a ride or die for Agent Carter, and that's good. One hundred percent. Yes, I I definitely agree with that. Like. But I think yeah. that as much as she could say, like, you know, if you wrong me, you're you're out, right? There there's moments of that even with the two of them, right? Yeah, but like for sure. she never she never really abandons Carter. Like right. I think that she clearly is like once she knows you know, you're her girl, you know, she's your girl, you know? Yeah. My special boy, my <laughs> Oh God, he's like my rotten soldier. <laughs> he's my best friend. He's my pal. He's my homeboy, my rotten soldier, my sweet cheese, my good time boy. He has, <laughs> J- Matt Berry has some of the best line deliveries yeah. of any character. Because like he's also the character we've mentioned before as having done the New York, so you're the most devious bastard yeah. in New York City. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's and like, so he was like that, that on the show. IT that show crowd rules. too. Yeah. For I need I need to watch that. I really like the movie right. and I haven't watched the show right. and I've heard nothing but good things about it. But in IT crowd, he was also like coming into the church, father! Just like <laughs> uh so over the top. So good. Anyways. And he was uh, I forgot what character, but he was uh oh, he was the robot in uh in Boba Fett, and he also had some choice line deliveries in that. Like Excellent. there's one where he just like questions Boba Fett. He's like, die like it's not this exact line, but like he's like, he's like, I would suggest like this course of action. And he's like, mm, do this instead. And the robot's like, it's the equivalent of like, did I stutter? Like, what is happening? Right? Like, it's very funny when he's like, I don't. That's very good, sir. Okay, you know, like it's it's good. Um, okay, so let's get to the other yes. uh, interesting fact here. So, James, uh, was there anything that stuck out to you about any of the names that we heard in this episode? Other than the Frederico stuff, like the the film buff stuff, um, any of the names of like the women, mm-hmm. or anything mentioned during that scene, was there any anything that stuck out to you? 
So it was Mary. Mm -hmm. I told you, I told you remember something. Do you remember what it was? Oh, 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 yeah. The, the Holloway and, and Kershaw and yeah. Goodman, Kurtzberg and Holloway, which is fascinating because it is missing one name. Goodman. Is that a Saul Goodman reference? No, it's not. No. You know what okay. it is? It's missing a name from that. That That's a three-name law, law place. James, you and I have heard this name recently, just the MC, or rather the timeline has not yet. Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway, G-L-K-H, is where Jessica Walters gets a job uh. leading the superhuman law division. It is the same place, but just... Basically, I guess their ancestors or something. Stanley um, Lieber hasn't joined the law firm yet. Pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what it is. I uh, love that. And uh, it was uh, actually created by Dan Slott, who uh, we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, famous comic book writer. I enjoy Dan Slott's He's a stuff. Slot. He is, <laughs> he is um, one of, like, I don't know how to say this. Like, he is a controversial writer. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is I think he's a good comic book writer. Yeah. But what happens is, is that the minute someone doesn't like something, they go, of course it was written by slot or whatever. There's a lot of people that don't like certain takes of his or what have you. Um, and what's great is also there are times where he hasn't written something, but people still blame him for it, which is very, very fascinating. He had a great <laughs> Twitter exchange today, though, that I... Mwah, loved was that he's going back to spider-man he's a famous spider-man writer he wrote yeah. for many years then he went to she-hulk and for example he wrote and created the character of pug by the way right um but anyway uh and he again also created jlk and h um which was referenced here which i think is very cool um but uh <laughs> he is going back to spider-man and this guy today was like Okay, cool, but can you at least take out all your woke bullshit from your comics this time? <laughs> he just quote uh. retweeted it and went, "No." <laughs> and I was like, "Good, good for all you." All right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's just a fun little thing. Um, I've been reading something by him recently, and I don't remember. I can't figure She-Hulk? out what it was. It was no. It's it's. I think it's a Spider Man. Uh, gotcha. Era. Because he he was the creator, for example, of the Spider Verse. Yeah. Which is a for instance, that's one that that's right. probably what I'm thinking of, frankly. Yeah. Right. Oh, did he write Spider Island? Yes. Okay, then that that's what it is. That's that was a fascinating arc that I had never heard of, and I really really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, wow, it's crazy. I mean, like he's uh, f- according to this, he has 511 works that he wrote and 1503 subjects created by Dan Slott, which is crazy. God, that's so cool. Uh, and actually, just as a quick brief aside, since we're just sort of talking about him, I'll give you a little history of him. Uh, he joined Marvel as an editor in the 1990s and debuted the comic book ad- adaptation of the cartoon Ren and Stimpy. Uh, he actually worked for DC Comics for a while, but then he returned in 2004 to write She-Hulk. And in She-Hulk number one in 2004, that's when he wrote GLK and A. Oh, GL- GLH and K. Jeez. Um and Dan Slott had a 10-year run on uh, Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Volumes 1, and then 3 and 4, all of them, as well as Superior Spider-Man. Right. He also wrote uh, Volumes 7 and 8 of Silver Surfer. Uh, he wrote the entirety of Tony Stark, Iron Man. 
uh, and did Fantastic Four up until I think like three or four months ago. Like he yeah. basically wrote all the way through the 60th anniversary. He's, I think he's actually, I think his last issue came out this month, and then Ryan North, I think, mm. is is taking over yeah. their new volume, correct? Of, yeah. uh, of Fantastic Four, yeah, right. Um, and there was one other. Th- oh, he also has done um, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Uh, he's done the Doctor Who uh, comics. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's also done a bunch of like, um, like Earthworm Jim. Yeah. And like he's done a bunch of like side side Scooby Doo and stuff. Mm-hmm. Love love that. Pinky right. in the Brain. On on yeah on other publishers yeah yeah like no they, I mean like, Pinky in the Brain is DC would have been DC right yeah because it's you know Warner Warner Brothers yeah um, but uh, I think. Who is it? It's Titan Publishing, I think, who does the Doctor Who comics. I think, yes, that's correct. Um, but yeah, he he's he writes for them still, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's all that. But I just think it's cool to uh, to recognize that. I mean, he's a I think he's a cool guy. Yeah. Nice guy. Uh, and he's written a lot of comics, uh, and for it's sure. just cool. Like, I think he's I think he's cool in terms of like the fact that like he recognizes things that are written by either him or his coworkers. Like he'll, he'll tell you like, Oh, if you liked blah, blah, blah from, you know, this episode of she Hulk or whatever, uh, so-and-so wrote that little fragment in this volume. Yeah. It's cool. Like he has that kind of knowledge and he'll tell you about that kind of stuff. I think it's very cool. Um, and you know, he'll tell you about like, you know, he, you know, the one time where he met Kevin Feige and he was like, Hey, just want to let you know, making a she-hulk show and he was like please tell me you're gonna include this character they didn't but like he's hopeful that they'll be in season two um he yeah Uh, but he's talked about you know like being able to like you know the the writers have been invited to like kind of like pre-screenings and like gotten to see things and all that other stuff so he's he's very open and like cool about like talking about like the process and all that other stuff so that's very cool uh so, but it's just, it's also cool to see like that little like nod essentially there. Yeah. I it's love very that. weird that they didn't have Lieber. I don't know what the reason for that is. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to my head canon of that's a Stan Lee reference. And in 1946, Stan Lee wasn't, he would have been 24. So yeah. He yeah. I mean, he was, he was doing to... like writing for Marvel comics, but like, like shorts, like stories in the middle of right. Captain America stuff and not, you know, Stan Lee. Right, like Stanley. I missed yeah. Him. Um, can we talk for a second about uh, I don't follow boxing? Uh, no. Okay. So okay. thanks for coming to this episode. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Let's Please see. go ahead. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I my uh, my my nickname for this call for this episode is Damaflage, and I think it is a brilliant brilliant move that she com- she like basically dunks on herself. Or like leaves herself right. open for dunking to distract. She does this, she does this a lot in the first yeah. bit. I think like, yeah. sorry, not to cut you off. I was gonna say yeah. like, there's there's going to be a time, and like I I'm, I want to let people know this now because I feel like I want people to know that like she doesn't always have to hide. Well, and right? the, there's a mask that she's hiding behind currently right. that in a couple of Mostly episodes a, she's not gonna right. have anymore, and right. she yeah. Well, that's kind of what I meant, right? It's like, I mean, yeah. eventually there's a reason for it to come down, but then also after a couple more episodes, it then becomes like relevant that it's like, okay, Peggy is good and like we right. understand this now, like things like that. But like, I, I want people to know that because like she does this, we've actually mentioned it a few times before as well. Of like, you know, for example, when she like 
brings the coffee in. Right. Um, and like is like pretending to do like these little things. And uh, she has a scene earlier that we will have talked about at this point. We haven't yet. We haven't recorded it yet. But um, again, time is weird. She has a thing where she like she messes up and like, oh, I'm just a dumb broad kind of thing. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, she, I can't wait to talk about yeah, that. That's a good that um, that shit's good. You know, I will. I will also say, though, that it's a very high school move because she doesn't pick a side. It's clearly not Joe DiMaggio, but she doesn't know. You know, it's like it's like when you walk up to a group of people and they're laughing and they turn to you and are like, <laughs> right, Colin. It's like, like I don't want to say agree. Right. I don't know what or, you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, all right, settle a bet for us. Is this Joe DiMaggio? You can say yes. You can say no, or you can do what Peggy did and say I don't follow boxing. You've offend you. Everyone wins. I mean, like uh, some people don't. You don't lose, right? Well, you know, what I think is great about that though is that like is when they do that to her and then they show her the picture, she makes a face, which to me means that she knows for sure. Yeah, and it's not. She knows yeah. who Joe DiMaggio is, and she's like, but she's also kind of like, really? But then she just kind of, and then she kind of smiles and puts on a face again. Yeah. To be like, oh, I don't follow boxing. And like, exactly what you said. It's like, she purposefully just throws herself under that bus. Yeah. To kind of keep up that, that look, you know? Like, she's not, it's funny because she's not putting on like a ditzy situation no no it's just she's it's putting the it, idea i'm not interested that, in sports ball sort of deal correct it's the yeah. it's the concept that like i mean there's always obviously going to be toxic folks sure. know, in any era there are still men to this day who will think that a woman can't be a sports fan like oh yeah well if you're if you're actually you know this kind of fan then then who won the super bowl in 1957 huh who, huh who plays you center know? field i don't know paul i like the red sox just back you off mean, Right, it's it's things like that, right? Like they have to. It's like, oh yeah, if you like that band, name three of their albums, okay? Name name five of their songs. It's like, okay, Jesus. Have Christ. you seen that thing? That's like, oh, you're a feminist. Name every woman, and the person's yes. like Whitney Houston. I'm every woman. Right. I think that is. I have not seen that take on it, <laughs> but I have seen the original tweet of like, oh, you're a feminist. Then name every woman. Like I have seen yeah. that. Which is yeah. very, I think that's a very funny tweet. I like that they had that in the first episode, and I also like that they're like, okay, so now we've done that. Let's let's make her different. And uh, so this is a way of, like, the I have women's troubles is a trope, but um, I don't follow boxing is a, a sort of idiosyncrasy. And I think that's a really cool correct um, line to walk. Yeah. Hey. Can I do some Avengers Ensemble for us real yes. quick? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, because we do start a new episode. So yeah. yeah, hit us up with that, and then we'll get out of here. Avengers Ensemble. The second episode, we have one person that's introduced in uh, the end of season of episode two of season one, and that is uh, Miriam, Ms. Fry. Uh, she is played by a character, nope, a real character. She's played by an actress named Megan Fay, uh, who has been in one episode of the U.S. version of Ghosts, uh, one episode of Supernatural, one episode of Bones, two episodes of the 2015 Muppets, one episode of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, a badly named show that is very good and stars Kristen Ritter, who is in the MCU, and weirdly like Jessica Jones, um, 
<laughs> in a sitcom. It's right. a wild situation. Uh, one episode of Happy Endings, one episode of Party Down. Uh, she was in the 2009 ver- Rob Zombie's version of Halloween 2. So the Rob okay. Zombie remake, yeah. the sequel to that. Um, <laughs> movies oh, are weird. Boy. Um, one episode of Charmed, one episode of Freaks and Geeks, which I feel is a real get. Um, and one episode of Boy Meets World, shout out to The Lost Years. Um, and she was in the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which uh, mm. is a great movie that I did not expect to see her having been in. Um, yeah. Uh, so then we move on to season one, episode three, which is called Time and Tide. Uh, I believe it is Time and Tide, Wait for No Man is the full uh, quote that that is taken from which is kind of a cool, uh, I wonder what that's from. That feels like maybe a Hamlet thing. Anyways, it is. Um, it aired on January 13th, 2015. Um, it was written by Andy Bushell, or Bushell, uh, who wrote two episodes of Alias, four episodes of Criminal Minds, and three episodes of The Mentalist. I was going to stick with just the Alias one, um, but then I figured Criminal Minds and The Mentalist are important because they are network procedurals. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can be an important uh, sort of resource to have written on for this show that you don't really that I don't really think about, mm-hmm. like the elements that are like and you know CSI. Absolutely, of this. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was directed. Plus, by I think Scott- we've mentioned the Mentalist before. By the yeah, way, yeah, before. for sure. Um, well, we are going to in this recording session. Uh, we're going to bring up my one of my freak my favorite frequently popping up shows that are no longer in the air. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, it was directed by Scott Winnant, uh, who wrote two episodes of the 2019 uh, season of Veronica Mars, one episode of Better Call Saul, 13 episodes of True Blood, two episodes of Fargo, two episodes of Breaking Bad, one episode of The West Wing, and three episodes of My So-Called Life, including the pilot. Hmm. He has been writing uh, strong, cool women characters for uh, like... 20 years at this point <laughs> like it, it, are we talking the original my so-called life have they remade my so-called life well i mean i was wondering if that yeah, was yeah. The, i mean the i wasn't sure how old yeah, yeah. this guy was this is claire yeah. dames this is like what the atari song is written about yeah yeah for sure yeah crazy yeah 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 i'm stuck in a loop okay uh so jimmy <laughs> the guy shimming J- shimmy jimmy is what we used to call him yeah um, sure the jimmy shimmy the J- Shimmy Jimmy, the Jimmy Shimmier, is played by a man named Tim James, and I'm not joking. Timmy Jimmy plays Jimmy the Shimmy Jimmy. <laughs> There's a, see, if you want that on a T-shirt, listener, yeah. that's a thing. Um, so he is credited for acting in 24 colon Legacy, which is the 24 reboot. But he's a stunt man, and he's a stunt man for Chad Michael Murray. Oh wow! So that's why he's in this. He's basically like, yeah, I can do the climbing up the thing. Is there a scene we want to pop me into where I'm doing that? I'm just hanging around. CM <laughs> squared is, you know, doing stuff on the ground. I don't have to do any stunts. And they're like, CM. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, so he has also done stunts for She-Hulk, Werewolf oh. by Night, The Walking oh. Dead, Wonder Woman 1984, Lucifer, Westworld. I changed it back to Westworld because I was sick of Westward. Uh, he did uh, American Horror Story, Avengers Endgame, The Orville, Wisdom of the Crowd. That's the one that uh, that I like to always bring up, um, crowdsourcing your crime solving, which is 
something. Uh, Supergirl, Stalker, Bones, and Captain America, the first Avenger, and Lost. Um, and then finally, uh, we have the building manager played by Paul Roach, but not the same Roach as Walker Roach from the last episode. This is Paul Roach with an E, and he was in the movie Liar Liar, R-O-A-C-H-E, um, okay. maybe Roach. <laughs> Um, I made I made a face that clearly yeah. was like, "Where's Where, the E?" Like, but not where you think, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, very Madison. Uh, Paul Roach was in Liar Liar and one episode of Quantum Leap. Uh, the original, the no. Oh, the original. I, oh, that's cool. so funny that I was like, now I have ready. to say the original because they're making a new one, which hasn't come out yet as of our recording on October twenty first, twenty twenty two, but it's soon coming out. Um, I'm hoping for better things from it than the reboot of MacGyver. I am sorry for everyone who worked on MacGyver who also worked on Agent Carter. But uh, but hey, that is all that I have. Would you like me to uh, bust into Howard Stark's vault and see what I can find in there in yeah. terms of social media technology? Absolutely, yeah. Let's cool. do that. All right. Um, well, I'd like to tell you about a piece of technology that's going to revolutionize the way that people give their money to us, and it is called Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Scavengers Network is where you can go to uh, fork over those bills, as we like to say. Not the ones you pay, but the ones you pay with. Um, for $2 a month on up to a million dollars, if you are you know, knee-deep in patents like a regular Reed Richards, um, you could donate a million dollars a month to us, and that would be great. And we'd put you at a special tier of all your own. Um, but if you want to donate $2 a month, that's cool. Uh, that gets you access to all sorts of bonus content, including uh, special episodes like uh, uh, Timeline Scavengers Annual Number Two, Which when it comes out. out, not long after this episode. Yeah, ends. we uh, we haven't quite recorded it yet, but next time Colin and I talk about Timeline Scavengers stuff, we will have, and that's very exciting. Um, to, sorry to be clear, the next time you hear us talk about. Timeline scavenger stuff on a different day of recording. Correct, 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 correct. Because there's Next two time, more episodes in right. this recording session. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. No, oh god, okay, okay, okay. Time is weird. Time is weird and uh, time is short given what is going to happen in the next episode. So uh, there's all sorts <laughs> oh, of stuff, god. written stuff, video stuff, audio stuff, uh, extra stuff, text stuff, all sorts of great stuff at Timeline Scavengers. Nope, at the Patreon for, for Scavengers Network, which is at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. Yep, that's the one. All right, let's get out of here. Let's climb back down that drain post. Shimmy back down like Jimmy back Do down, and I don't care. Um, doing the Jimmy shimmy. What on earth is this show? Here's what this show is. It's Timeline Scavengers. I'm James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. Excelsior. I'm going to go join a law firm. My name is Trevor Collins, and I love the unknown. I'm Alfredo Diaz, and I'm easily frightened. This is The Red Web, a podcast all about unsolved mysteries, true crime, 
conspiracies, and the supernatural. Each episode, Trevor sets out to scare me half to death, dropping little nightmares like it's no big deal. Pretty much every episode features a new mystery left to be solved. We will discuss the timelines and the facts of each case along with popular theories that attempt to explain what's going on. Alfredo will be bringing speculation and questions as he hears these stories for the first time. Man, tons of stuff. Like what's the hidden purpose of this website? Who's been leaving clues to an endless puzzle and why? What happened to the man in the dark suit we discussed earlier? And is this world really going to end in September? Trevor, you can't keep doing this to me, man. <laughs> the thing is, I can, and that's what we do here. And if you love unsolved mysteries like I do, and certainly like Alfredo does, subscribe to Red Web today wherever you listen to podcasts. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.